Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. As we're going to do a little college football handicapping, we have not done as much on the college gridiron this season. Uh, and we bring in our old buddy from the college hardwood, Bill Christie, at Larry's Locks 2 on gambling Twitter to hop aboard with us and go to the college gridiron and run through. A Saturday rotation that has some interesting games. We have a couple Friday night picks as well as we record on a Thursday night for Friday morning. We'll go in rotation order, so we'll get started with the Friday picks. But, Bill, first off, good to have you back, my guy. How you been? Yeah, it's been been really, really good. It's been an awesome start to the college football season. Um, I'm I'm ending up – yeah, today's the last day, so we finished up September. It's my second highest total. Uh, winning month in my career here on Twitter. So I've been super excited about it. We had an awesome game in Virginia, Miami tonight uh, to start us off for the weekend and seeing a typical college kicker moment, 33 yard field goal. I've honestly, Greg, I've never felt more comfortable having a money line and having a (laughs) kicker from 33 yards out than I did tonight. For some reason, I knew he was missing that. I had a text lined up to a buddy of mine. Uh, with college kicker written on it right away so that as soon as I hit the upright I hit send uh, it was it was perfect it's just been a, a lot of fun this year and look we're only in what is it I think technically the fifth week of college football and we still got a ton more to go and as John Rothstein yep. reminded us right now as of now we're, we're recording it's 1205 east eastern standard time here so we're down to 39 days till we're back on the college hardwood too so super excited yeah. about that coming up as well yeah, no, it's certainly a lot more things starting to happen in the world of sports. Baseball playoffs are right around the corner. Obviously, football's been going at both levels for about a month now. Uh, basketball, uh, professionally and collegiately, getting going as well. So uh, a lot more going on, and uh, it's definitely fun 
to have some more options on the board when it comes to your uh, wagering decisions. And uh, that's kind of what we're doing here is just trying to uh, break down the college football rotation a little bit and hopefully give you some winners. Let's start there, Bill, when it comes to your uh, handicapping process, how do you break down a board when it's obviously the offerings are much wider in college football? Yeah, it's, it's hard, uh, especially this early on in the season because I just feel like I'm looking for every possible play. And I think as we get later on to the season, we start to see uh, some more trends with specific teams and specific situations that really let us kind of narrow it down. So I typically have pretty large cards the first few weeks of the season. Like I've, I've been doing an early and a late card um, and obviously kind of trimming the fat off that late card, depending on how well the early card has done. Um, I just get FOMO when it comes to the early part of the football season. Like I don't want to miss out on some of the opportunities <laughs> that I that I think are out there. And I, I know I texted you and Alex recently about some ridiculous trends that have been happening lately. Um, so I definitely want to be taking advantage of that as much as I can until until we start to see, like we always say, the regression back to the mean. We're going to see it switch back over to the other side. Um, probably sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, I want to hit all of them that I can. Yeah, I, I think that's well said from an opportunity standpoint. I think that particularly early on, I think that's one thing about the college football market. It doesn't get hit as hard as the NFL. So, you would think there's maybe some more inefficiencies out there with some of the numbers that get hung uh, that you don't see as much in the NFL because there's just a more more of an appetite and, and fewer games in the rotation. Right, exactly. Exactly. And like I was mentioning to you and, and Alex, right, I'm going back into our text real quick that 30 dogs are 37 and 27 in college football this year when the spreads a pick to six and a half. And 34 of those 37 winners were outright winners. And look, make that 35 out of 38 after tonight because Virginia fell right into that category. You know, and that's why I love that play so much. I think the other thing, because didn't you also say in that same text that the chalk does better the larger the line is? Yeah, that was more so for... um, was that? I think I was talking more show about NFL for that when NFL was like everything. The That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the opposite happened. So maybe we're starting to see that. Who knows in the NFL that if those oh, larger you're, spreads aren't going to be it. You're saying with the Jacksonville cover tonight. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. Well, we'll certainly see what you got in store for us. We're both kind of bounced back and forth here. We're going in rotation order. So kind of working chronologically here. We do have a couple of Friday picks for you, so let's not waste any more time. And we're going to go to College Park, Maryland, where the Iowa Hawkeyes are traveling to Maryland to take on the Terps. And Iowa is a short favorite in this game. Looks like three, mostly, uh, on the side. Total has been bet up slightly to about 47, 47 and a half. And you like the home dog here, and I think it is a good situational spot to look at Maryland. 
Maryland, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, like, look, this is just, this is so typical, right? The number five team in the country versus an unranked Maryland team, and they're only given three in the hook. Like, right there, that just stands out to me. It doesn't make any sense. You're going to be seeing the public's going to be taking Iowa because, again, that little number five sitting next to their name, and they're only given a couple points. They're going to be all over them. Um, but the fact that, like I just said earlier about Virginia playing into that number, you know, between it being a, a half a point to to a six-point spread, this falls into that category again. You know, Maryland's in that spot where they're only getting a couple points. Um, I like them to cover the game. I, I honestly, I, I'm probably going to play them small on the money line, too. I'm seeing, like, plus 140 on the money line. Um, and, and this is also a typical look-ahead spot, right? Like, I was going – uh, to Penn State next week, um, so you got to figure that they're going to be looking ahead to that game. That, that could be, you know, deciding the Big Ten title for all we know early on in this matchup. So I got a feeling I was going to be looking ahead. Maryland is not a bad team; they're undefeated. You know, nobody's really talking about that. They don't have any real, real big wins. I guess you know they they beat a, a decent Illinois team. They beat a decent West Virginia team, um, but. Look, you got Tua Tolua, whatever his last name is, his little brother down there in Maryland, who's been <laughs> really getting this offense offense rolling. Um, not to say he's going to be a Heisman candidate like his brother was, but look, I'm looking at his his, uh, his stats of 10 touchdowns to only one interception. He takes care of the ball. It's going to be a big part of this game. Um, and like I said, the short number, it doesn't make sense to me. And everything else adds up for me. Uh, to be on the Maryland side. So Maryland three and a hook and probably small on the money line as well. Yeah, I, I can really buy a lot of what you're selling there because I think a lot of the situational handicapping is a little stronger in college because it's one thing if you're professionals and, you know, overlooking teams and looking ahead, you know, you just can't do because it's it's your job, you know, and you remember some of these emotional things that we talk about with handicapping, I think are just stronger angles with 18 to 22 year old kids. Iowa's on top of the world. They won the Cyhawk rivalry game this year against Iowa state. Mm -hmm. That's a battle of if Iowa were to win, that would be two top five teams against Penn state and Iowa. Of course, Penn state's got to get past Indiana, but Right. I, I think a lot of what you're saying, you know, so I think it makes sense to regardless. And, you know, Kirk Ferentz is a veteran coach, so you would think maybe he would be able to avoid some of this a little bit differently than some, you know, lesser experienced coaches. But still kids that, you know, you would think that it's easy for them to, you know, or, or harder for them, I should say, to block out some of the noise. You look at Maryland. I mean, this is this is an arrival moment for them, right? I mean, you kind of mentioned it, undefeated, but nobody's really talking about them. Well, here you go. Friday Night Lights, nationally televised Big Ten game. What better way to make a statement? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I know we had talked about before, and I don't think it's on our slate here to discuss, but, you know, we'll play the flip side of it. Iowa looking ahead to Penn State. People might be wondering, well, is Penn State going to be looking ahead to Iowa? And they have Indiana lined up. I think a lot of that's going to be determined tomorrow night what happens. If Iowa loses or Iowa really, really struggles, you got to figure that Penn State's – look, they're going to be watching that game, right? Like most of those most of those guys are going to be watching that game. 
see how Iowa plays. And if they struggle out of the gate, you know that's going to get hammered home to those guys on Saturday. Listen, you know, we just saw what happened to Iowa last night. If they struggle, they're not going to want to struggle on Saturday against Indiana. So I think a lot of what happens tomorrow night is going to be really telling of what we're going to see in that Penn State-Indiana game later on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think that's well said as far as this impact on the Penn State-Indiana game. Uh, but as you said, neither of us with a pick in that Penn State-Indiana game. I do have a pick in a battle of Utah teams uh, on Friday night. And I'm going to go over the total in BYU-Utah State as uh, this has been a number that's on the move, over money coming in. And you know I don't love taking the worst of the number, but I still think at 62 and a half, it's worth going over. Utah State's offense, uh, first three games of the year was excellent. 26, 48, and 49 points. Obviously, you got to contextualize those numbers a little bit, given the kind of wide variance you, you get with some non-conference schedules in college football. Uh, laid an egg against Boise State. Uh, I would expect a bounce back from Utah State in a rivalry game. You know, as I said, both of these schools are Utah schools. I would expect their offense to get back on track. Both teams averaging at least six yards per play, uh, which is obviously a stat that I like to look at. Uh, BYU has been a juggernaut uh, for the most part offensively, averaging about 30 points a game. Uh, And I also think for Utah State, like I would expect, you know, offense seems to be at least in their wins, how they've been doing it. This is the only game for Utah State against a ranked opponent all season. So, um, you know, rather than play the Utah State side at eight and a half at home, probably lean that way. But uh, I think that the better play is to expect the Utah State offense to get back on track in their biggest game of the season. So I will go over and root for some points in Utah State and BYU for a Friday play. Let's keep things moving and go to the Saturday rotation where I have a couple picks in the ACC where I want to start with, uh, this is a later game, but it's higher up in the rotation with uh, NC State and Louisiana Tech. Uh, I'm going to look at the under in this game with a total of 54, I believe I got in at. And uh, yes, I'm going under 54, Louisiana Tech, NC State. Uh, Week one, Louisiana Tech and Mississippi State, pretty good offensive showing for both teams, 69 total points. Week two, Louisiana Tech and Southeastern Louisiana actually played a barn burner, 45-42, 87 total points. So a couple of easy overs right out of the gate for Louisiana Tech. Offense really slowed down against North Texas, though. Louisiana Tech only scoring 24 points. And now they're facing the best defense that they will see all season in NC State. NC State third in the ACC in yards per play against 20th in the nation. And NC State may be a little flat off the Clemson win. Uh, And if so, I think that would lend itself to fewer points in this game because the Wolfpack have been averaging a tick below 32 points per game in their three wins. That's a little inflated, uh, or four games, a little inflated uh, due to the double overtime game against Clemson. 
Having said that, I think this is probably a, you know, a game in which NC State maybe goes through the motions a little bit, and it is a big line. Uh, so, uh, you know, I could, you could, I could understand taking all the points with Louisiana Tech, uh, but I like the game under instead because I don't know that Louisiana Tech is really going to score that much itself here. So uh, I'm going under in NC State and Louisiana Tech at 54 I got in at on this game uh, and, you know, off the big Clemson win. I just think it's probably a uh, slower paced kind of blah game from NC State. So did you happen to catch the end of that, by the way, last week, NC State Clemson? Oh, did I? I was on NC State Moneyline, so absolutely close <laughs> to that game. Was that, that one was of your short-line Moneyline picks? Yes, yes, exactly. The other one that I really liked burn me was South Carolina, but um, yeah, NC State, that game that game was great. I think we're kind of seeing a changing of the guards, so to speak, with Clemson. I, I just don't oh, think yeah. they're going to be. No doubt. And it's yeah. interesting how the whole ACC has really opened up as a result. I mean, I'm going to get to Louisville in a minute. You know, they're, they're playing well. Florida State has certainly not taken advantage. They've been a mess. Miami's still a mess. So the whole balance of power in the ACC is shifting, too, which I think is interesting. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting who ends up in the ACC championship game because you could probably pick two teams. And right now I wouldn't argue against almost anybody you picked because it is pretty open. And I do want to talk about one of the ACC games that is in my picks here. And I'm going to go to Louisville and Wake Forest, where Louisville is a six and a half point road dog in Winston-Salem. And I'm going to take those points and grab them with Louisville. Um, There's one thing I like to look at in college football, anytime a new and college basketball for that matter, too. But anytime a new coach comes in, I, I think it's only fair to expect the first couple of years to be a little bit of a learning curve, to be a little bit more of a get your feet wet and learn the area, recruit and build your culture. And that's what I think is going on. And so year three is when I think it's fair to start expecting a college coach to start winning games. You start getting more of your recruits on the field, things like that. That's kind of what I'm seeing with Scott Satterfield here in his third season at Louisville. They're three and one straight up. They've won back-to-back games outright in conference play as underdogs. Uh, and as I said, I think it's kind of like a launching point type season for Louisville under Scott Satterfield. So I think they're really going to start moving the program forward. I don't think their last couple of wins uh, as short dogs are flukes probably should have been favored against Florida State. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think that you look at the way Forest side here and, you know, the yards per play are about the same, 5.5 for Wake, 5.3 for Louisville. I think it's a good sell high on Wake Forest, too. Back-to-back 20-plus point victories for Wake over Florida State and UVA. So, you know, I mentioned Florida State really being a mess. They've lost to both of these teams. Kind of weird to see Florida State losing to one of Louisville or Wake Forest, let alone both. Uh, but, you know, I think it's kind of a sell high on Wake because they had those two back-to-back victories over Florida State and Utah, or excuse me, Florida State and UVA. But then you remember UVA had also lost to North Carolina by 20 points in ACC play, and then beat Wake, and then 
Wake beats them by 20. So I don't know how good Virginia is, period. And I mentioned Florida State kind of being a mess. So why not Louisville on a wide open ACC, getting close to seven in this spot off back-to-back outright wins? I mean, they're just not getting respected yet in the marketplace. And, uh, you know, I think Florida State is one of those kind of fake ranked teams in the 20 to 25 range. And I'm going to double check that right now. Uh, But normally, especially when those teams just get into the top 25 or even if they've been in there a couple weeks, those teams can be good fades. I mentioned NC State, even though I like the under in that game, uh, they are number 23 in the top 25. Uh, And so, yeah, it's just a a spot for me where uh, I would kind of line up with, yeah, Wake Forest is 24th. Bill, I don't know if you have anything because you're you're kind of uh, up to date with some trends and stuff on that like 20 to 25 range, how volatile it can be. But, you know, I, I, I think that Wake could lose this game outright. So I'm taking the six and a half. Yeah, the yeah. six and a half number, I don't typically like to play the money line in that situation unless I have a really strong feeling towards it. Um, I'm I was talking more so just the like fake ranked, like fringe top 25. I, I, I don't have any data to support this, but I just feel like traditionally in college, basketball and football those can be good fades uh yeah i mean i'm trying to go into some of my stuff now just to see what i have but nothing really sticks out thinking like you just get into the top 25 and you kind of breathe a little bit and it doesn't yeah. really mean anything obviously yeah yeah again i don't i don't have a play either way on it but uh, your reasoning behind it seems pretty solid to me so let's get back to a game that you do have a play in. You're kind of the Big Ten guy here with Iowa, Maryland, and now Ohio State Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights have uh, been covering under Shiano here this year, and uh, I think he's definitely going to have them climbing the ranks in the Big Ten maybe sooner rather than later. You like them against the Buckeyes. Oh, yes, I do. Coach Shiano's got them chopping wood up in Piscataway again. you got to love to see it. And, hey, we're talking about <laughs> Ohio State. I can't let us go without saying it was so, so nice tonight to watch our good pal Urban Meyer completely collapse. On the board, he covered a spread finally. Oh, who cares? Who cares about that? I just love seeing the guy lose. You know, in a couple weeks from now, when they're like 0-7, he'll pretend like he's having a heart attack again. He'll want to step away from the game. And then, of course... We'll see him pop up in somewhere. Oh, USC? Maybe USC. Exactly. It's just so, so nice to see him struggling as a as a Michigan fan that I've been my whole life. It's been great this year, Meyer struggle. But on the same <laughs> note, Ohio State, speaking of struggles, have not looked like the typical Ohio State um, that we're used to seeing. And you mentioned it. Rutgers has been covering. They're 4-0 against the spread this year. Um, Ohio State, they're 1-2-1 and uh, on the road. They've only had um, one time where they've been the away favorite. They ended up being a push in that spot. Rutgers on the other side, again, they're undefeated against the spread. Um, as a home dog, uh, let me see here, home dog. I don't think they've been a home dog yet. No, but as a dog, they've been 1-0. and At home, they've been 2-0. and um, And they're kind of in this other spot where I was mentioning that I've been looking at some interesting trends here. Uh, and that has been when I've seen uh, away favorites uh, in the spot that, that Ohio State's going to be in here with, like, the number between 
uh, 14 and 16 and a half before we get right. to that magic number 17. Uh, the away faves have been one in five so far this season. So hitting at a high wow. 16.67% rate here. Um, and to me, that just that that's just telling me that right now, at least the books are putting those spreads a little too high on these teams, especially with them being away. Um, if that was a spread where Ohio State's at home, you know, I'd be a little bit more nervous about taking the dog in that spot. But the fact that Rutgers is at home, like you mentioned, Shiana's really changing their culture up there again. It's really, really nice to see. Um, it's going to be even nicer to see Ohio State struggle. But, um, yeah, I'm going to be taking the Scarlet Knights here, getting the points. I don't think, obviously, I don't think they're really going to contend with them. Um, but this is a number where you kind of feel comfortable. If they're, if they're keeping the game sort of tight, great. If you're down by six points against the spread late in the game, you always have a chance for the back door. Uh, so, you know, the number being what it is and the trends that I've been seeing, I couldn't not take Rutgers in this spot. Yeah, I think a lot of it makes sense. I mean, Rutgers has been competitive, covering numbers, as we've said. And Ohio State, you know, maybe a little bit of a dip. I mean, C.K. Stroud doesn't quite look like Justin Fields. We'll say that. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I would not. I would. I mean, it is crazy to think a couple weeks ago now. I know the game was at the horseshoe, but Ohio State was given like. 15 against Oregon, mm-hmm. 16, something crazy. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we obviously it's just we weird to think about that now with Oregon in the top five, but get to the yeah, dogs so a little bit later. Yeah. You would have thought probably like before that game happened, you were thinking that you were going to see these teams in the exact opposite spots of where they are right now. Right. Right. So I'm definitely with you on the lean or while well, I would lean to Rutgers in that game. You're going to go to the Mountain West now for another pick where we have the Nevada Wolfpack. Already talked a little bit about those NC State Wolfpack. Nevada taking on Boise State in a league game. And you like Nevada getting the points. Yeah, I do. This is another spot. uh, What did you get this at real quick? Uh, Six and a half. Okay. Um, This is another spot similar to Iowa. Uh, It's a look-ahead spot for Boise who's facing uh, BYU next week um given the six and a half and they're at home like i just it doesn't make sense to me either like that to me the spread should be higher than you know a touchdown at least um with the fact that them being at home against nevada nevada is a decent team i wouldn't say that they're at the uh at the same level as boise and i'm not just talking about like overall program-wise, because we know what Boise's been in the past few years. But just in terms of this season, Nevada isn't looking that that great. Um, but Boise, this season so far, home favorites, they're one and one. Um, and Nevada, away dogs, they've only been in that position once, but they've covered the spread in that spot. Uh, six and a half, again, it just doesn't make sense to me. This line should be over over a touchdown. Um, I think Boise State. I was going to say, if this is seven and a half, you're probably not playing it, right? Correct. Exactly. So the exactly. fact that it comes south of the seven is what's opening your eye. One hundred percent. That's right. the only reason why I'm drawn to it. Um, like I, you, we were talking early on in the pod, right? Like what we do to kind of cut down the board a bit. The first thing that I always do is to see these look ahead spots, and 
Sure. A ton of them, if you look at them overall. Or, to speak to your point, I do this too. Like, you just look at some of the lines and Mm. and think, hmm, that seems a little weird, you know? And kind of look into why, if there's a reason behind the weirdness. Right, exactly. And vice versa. Like, I take take those look-ahead spots and then see where the line is in comparison to them and say, whoa, like, again, like you just said, if this was seven and a half, okay. It is a look-ahead spot, but that spread makes a little bit more sense. The fact that it's less than seven – I'm drawn to the dog here. Again, I, 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 you're not going to have to twist my arm too hard. I'll probably end up taking a little bit on the money line. Um, but six and a half hanging there, I have to take that with Nevada. So let's get into one of the more marquee games of the rotation. And uh, this was not planned, uh, but we happened to like opposite sides of the Cincinnati-Notre Dame game in South Bend, where we're seeing the Cincinnati Bearcats uh, installed as short road chalk of a point and a half. Uh, shame, excuse me, shame on me. I got two and a half, so that number is coming down. Uh, and I don't know, maybe, you know, I'm not sure if that's sharp money, public money, a little bit of both with Notre Dame being a home dog, but I, I, I still like Cincinnati and, I'll first start with how good is Notre Dame? I mean, they survive against Florida State. Earlier, when we were talking about the ACC, talking about how bad Florida State has been. Well, that survival against Florida State looks even worse and worse from Notre Dame by the week. Then the week after, they only beat Toledo at home by three. You know, and and they had Purdue next, so it wasn't like a huge look ahead or anything like that for Notre Dame. Yeah, I guess it's an in-state rivalry, but, I mean, come on. Like, you're not really, like, looking ahead to Purdue. And a phony score last week against Wisconsin. They won 41-13, but the game was tied at 10 after three quarters. So, Notre Dame, to me, is a a pretty fake 4-0, and I think definitely deserves to be an underdog here, despite the fact that they're playing a group of five team in South Bend. So that's some of the anti-Notre Dame stuff. Oh, wait. Now, Are, you're going to give us the pro-Cincinnati stuff? Yes, I am. Why, you, oh, there's, there is I none? I can't wait to hear this. Cincinnati, this is a huge spot for them. They are trying to make a statement to be the first group of five team to make the college football playoff. They're number seven right now in the AP rankings. We're still, I guess, about a month away from the first college football playoff rankings. I guess it's like the beginning of November. It's normally right before Thanksgiving. Right. So they're about to play enter conference play after this game against Notre Dame. And the American can produce some ranked teams. And that's why, like, in the past we've seen – Cincinnati, Central Florida, Houston get close to the playoff, but never get there. But none of them have ever played a game like this. And for what it's worth, Cincinnati did go to Indiana last week, power five game and win. And so now, like this is the statement game for Cincinnati to make a run at the college football playoff. And I would expect, like, if you're a junior or a senior in Cincinnati and you've done a lot of the winning, like, this is the moment that you 
have been waiting for to get your chance to really make a case to the college football playoff committee that you deserve a seat at the table in a 14 format because they can get there if they run the table. Also, Luke Fickle rumored and rumored and rumored for that USC job. What better resume win to for the USC job than to beat Notre Dame, an all time rivalry between SC and Notre Dame. So I think that the players are focused for that chance at the college football playoff. And I think that Luke Fickle isn't going to say this, but wants to add that big resume win going into what I'm sure will at least be an interview with Mike Bone, the AD at USC, who used to be the AD at Cincinnati. So I like the Bearcats. Let me hear why you like the Irish. Let me first say, Greg, you are hands down the best person I know of making your own headlines. Like you, you making my own movie headlines. Like you, you make the movie script like come to life when you're discussing these games. It's, it's, it's amazing. None of what I said mattered. What's that? (laughs) I'm making my own headlines. So none of what I said mattered. No, what I'm saying, like how you, how you have that, like, ability to like see this whole script playing out it's it's cool like in my head as you're talking about it i'm like i'm seeing luke fickle walk through the door of the ad at usc you know what i mean like that kind of thing um and it does like that story would make complete sense if if that's what happens you know and i could see that playing out that way um i just i'm on the other side of it i just don't think that that's going to be the case um cincinnati being the short fave here on the road. Before you go any further, if this is a different team in the top 10, this line's bigger than three, right? If this is a different team in the top 10 at Notre Dame. Correct. I think part of the reason this is just inside the three is because it's just little old Cincinnati. It could be. It definitely could be. I mean, you know, they have some quality wins this year over, like, Murray State and Miami, Ohio. So, like, <laughs> it, it could have been bumped up a little, right? You know? Look, at, again, I think what you say makes complete sense. I'm just going to back the team here who's battle-tested. You said it. Like, that Wisconsin game, that that was not the, – the final score was not indicative of what was going on in that game. However, at the end of the day, right, like, that's the only thing that matters, especially when you're dealing with numbers. So the fact they're able to pull away and get an easy cover for, unfortunately, I was on the other side. I was on Wisconsin in that game. Um, Tom, you thought you had it bad. I was on the under. Oh, oh man. I brutal. apologize. That's brutal. Um, but look, they're battle tested. They've, they've played good opponents so far. And look, have they been great? No, absolutely not. They have not looked great. They have not looked like the Notre Dame that everybody wants Notre Dame to be. Um, but Florida State, again, they've struggled week one on the road. I mean, they still got the job done. They've won the game. Purdue, same thing. They ended up winning it by, four, by two touchdowns. Purdue's a solid Big Ten team. And obviously, we just talked about Wisconsin. Um, funny enough, the one game they, I feel like they should have lost is against the weakest opponent they've had in Toledo. Like, Toledo should have won that game. There's no doubt in my mind. They blew that game at the end. Um 
but I think Notre Dame's going to be able to get the job done here. Two points don't matter. I know you said you don't like the number you got. Forget the number. It's not going to matter. Um, if you're going to like Cincinnati, honestly, and you're worried about the number, just take the money line because the points I don't think are going to play a part in this game. Whoever wins the game is going to cover the spread easily. Um, I just think it's going to be Notre Dame. I think it's a team that's been tested throughout the season. And again, I've talked about it before. Uh, with this trend of away favorites and, and under under three points, that's where we're falling here. Uh, the faves are five and ten on the season. Um, it just doesn't look good for for the way it's lined up so far. So again, I'll be on Notre Dame. Um, if I'm wrong, hopefully they can make a movie out of the script that you put in my head throughout throughout <laughs> your analysis. Um, I I just can't I just can't back Cincinnati. In this so then, spot. like, are you banking on Notre Dame? To play its best game of the season? Because I know you don't think Cincinnati's that good. But Notre Dame's no. going to have to play its best game of the season to win. You're, maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm fairly confident, say what you want about Cincinnati, that they're better than Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's tied at 10 after three quarters against Notre Dame. Right. I, I don't know. I, we'll see. I, I, I just think you need Notre Dame to play – it's, I, I just don't think this is a good Notre Dame team. I watched a lot of the game against Florida State. Keep an eye on the Wisconsin, the Wisconsin game most of that last week. It just, well, maybe they're going to find a way and Brian Kelly will get his ass kicked in the playoff again. But it just not adding up for me. We'll see, though. We'll see. You know, you got the home crowd. And this is, I mean, this might be the biggest game in Notre Dame season, right? I mean, just as far as the opponents, I know they're going to have some rivalries but you know like just finished talking about sc they're not in the top 25 and I mean, yeah as of now this is the last ranked opponent that notre dame's going to play the rest of the season so there you go maybe maybe they get fired up for little old cincinnati but we'll see as we move along uh let's go to a game where we actually have some agreement on and it's going to be out in the pack 12 on palo alto where the stanford cardinal Welcome in the Oregon Ducks, and we are seeing Oregon playing eight on the road, a total of 57 and a half. I'll, I'll start. I'm on the Cardinal here, catching the eight. Uh, I, I, I Oregon, I think this is interesting. There's just one and three against the spread, and Bill, maybe I'm missing somebody. But can you remember a Pac-12 that had one team versus the field like this? Every, like the first thing I thought of was Reggie Bush, Matt Leinard, USC. Like I can't think of another team in the Pac-12 that's even close really to – or everyone's looking up at Oregon, right? Is there even – like UCLA's in the top 25, and I think they're the only other team in the top 25 out of this conference. Yeah, so, there's, there's nobody. nobody. There's nobody, right. So – what I'm getting at is I think that Oregon, you know, you talk about writing scripts, like go inside that locker room every week now in league play, they're going to have a target on their back. And I think that makes them kind of an interesting fate. Like they couldn't even cover against Arizona last week, you know, and Arizona is one of the worst teams in the Pac-12. So the target is squarely on Oregon's back. Clearly after beating Ohio State and now playing in a subpar Pac-12, you know, the path is there for Oregon to get to the college football playoff. No doubt about it. Um, having said that, as I said, 
Oregon just one and three against the spread, and that one win was the uh, the one cover was the outright win against Ohio State. Talked about yards per play before. Stanford six point three, Oregon six point one. So it's not as if Stanford, like some of these teams in the Pac-12, are capable. They're not Oregon, but they're also not Arizona, you know. And so I think there's this whole middle tier that Stanford is in. We'll get to I have a pick in UCLA and Arizona State later on. I think there's a lot of these teams, Washington, you can throw them in there too, where it's like they're good enough where if they play a complete game, they could at least cover these numbers against Oregon. And that's kind of what I'm thinking here. And you know what? The Cardinal have already been in this role. 18-point outright win or a dog of 18 points winning outright against USC in what was Clay Helton's final game. Obviously, Oregon a little bit more of a buttoned-up functional program right now. But, uh, you know, at home, you know, I I just think because of that whole target-on-your-back narrative that Oregon's going to have this year in the Pac-12, if you blindly play home dogs against Oregon, I think you're going to do pretty well against the numbers. So I like Stanford plus the eight. Well, you start out pretty well, right? Oregon's only one and three against the spread. So right. that, that's saying <laughs> a lot to start with. Um yeah, a lot of the reasons you mentioned, I like them. Again, I want to go back to the trends that I've been seeing. Uh, when you're looking at away favorites, again, between the numbers of seven and nine and a half, they're four and eight in the season. So, again, the line seems to usually be inflated. And then a typical spot, right? Like, you're looking at the number. Number three next to Oregon. Unranked Stanford. Stanford's only two and two. The big bad bully of the Pac-12 now is Oregon. Undefeated. They've already got big win under their belt. Well, they're going to go into Stanford. You'd think they'd be more than just barely over a touchdown favorite, right? Like eight points to me doesn't seem like it should be right, right. where it's at. So, again, for those reasons, I'm going to be on the dog. Uh, Stanford, I expect them to really, really hang tight in this game. If you if you are out there and you're like, I don't believe what Greg's saying. I don't trust what Bill's saying. I'm an Oregon guy. They're going to blow him out. <laughs> Do me a favor and just wait until Stanford's first drive. Because I really have a strong feeling that they're going to be able to put points on the board first. Sure. And if you're going to get a number, you're going to get a better number at that point. Um, but I, I do like Stanford here in the spot catching those points. I think they're going to keep it pretty tight. So let's go to the SEC. We've been recording for about 40 minutes here. And only now do we get to the Southeastern Conference. But, hey, better late than never. Well, they get As, enough airtime everywhere else, right, Greg? Let's let you know we're 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 a part of the people. That's well we're said. We are not discriminatory. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it's rotation number one seven one. The Ole Miss Rebels going to Tuscaloosa to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide, and uh, believe it or not, this number's been bet down against Alabama. I got fourteen and a half with I like the road dog in Ole Miss. Looks like it's at 14 now, total of 79 in this game, which, uh, you know, the high totals in Alabama games are, are no secret now. I mean, that's one thing I'll give Saban all the credit in the world for able to yeah. adjust. And win. I think that's one thing about Saban that, you know, I, and I think he's probably the greatest college coach ever and Belichick's the greatest NFL coach ever. And I think if you look at both of their tenures, they found ways to win with defense early on and then win with offense later on in their careers. And I think that's kind of what Saban's done recently at Alabama with some of the, you know, more recent titles. They've been more 
offensive centric. You know, people said, oh, Alabama never had any good quarterbacks. Well, now Tua and Mac Jones go in the first round and the four receivers went in the first round, the last two drafts. Having said all that, I don't think this is as explosive as an Alabama team as we've had in the past. I took all the points with Florida against Alabama when they were in the swamp a couple weeks ago. Cash that ticket. Florida was right there. I mean, could have won the game outright. And I think, you know, dare we say, we talked about the ACC opening up with Clemson losing. Dare we say the SEC may be a little more interesting this year? Because, you know, not only is Alabama, as I said, against Florida looked a little vulnerable. And I think in general, Alabama, I don't know that they have a Devonta Smith. I don't know that they have a Najee Harris where they're going to be able to put up 45 a week or something like that. So it kind of feels like, and we'll get to Georgia a little bit later, but it does kind of feel like the SEC might be a little more open this year. Florida, you know, the world's greatest tailgate party. That'll be a really fun game this year, Florida, Georgia. And so, uh, you know, Ole Miss, they're playing Alabama here, Kentucky, Arkansas. There's some teams in the league this year that are not going to be pushovers for Alabama and Georgia. And I think Ole Miss is not going to be a pushover. You talked about it before we jumped on. Matty Corral has been a joy to watch for the Rebels. Ole Miss offensively, I mean, he's leading the offense, but they are fourth in the nation in yards per play at 7.5. And so I think that we'll get to KJ Jefferson in Arkansas in a minute, but one of these quarterbacks – like there's always kind of like a Heisman moment where they just, you know, Cam did it in the Iron Bowl, leading Auburn back. You know, Johnny Manziel won at Tuscaloosa. I'm not calling for the outright win, but I just think these numbers are too high in these games. And, uh, you know, definitely with Ole Miss, you're going to give me the fourth best offense in yards per play, getting over two touchdowns because like, I got the hook at 14 and a half. Yeah, I, I got to take all those points. I'm taking Ole Miss. Hotty toddy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not on a play on this, but I'm just very thankful. It took you a while. I was waiting for it, hoping that you were going to hit on it. You know, building that script up that you you do so well, and you <laughs> did. Like it, honestly, Matty Corral. Like we said before, I had put it on my blog preseason. He was my best bet to win the Heisman. He's great value, and in that, I said. The only thing that was holding him back was the turnovers. He had struggled so much turning the ball over throughout his career. But this year, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. He's completing close to 70% of his passes, and he has led this Mississippi team to arguably one of the best starts they've had in recent history. Um, and, yeah, this this is his opportunity to have a Heisman moment. You said it. You don't really like him to win outright. I don't think they're going to win the game. But you don't have to win the game in order to have a Heisman moment, right? Like, you, he could lead them. He could have a five touchdown. He could be the best player on the field, and they could lose. Exactly. Six touchdowns, no interceptions. And it's just they get outgunned, and, and Bama beats them because of the high total, and they're able to score more points. And if we could sit back and say maybe, hey, if there was a couple more ticks in the clock and Matty Crow got the ball one more time, he probably would have been able to lead them down. But it could be a situation like that. So – yeah, I'm not on a, on this game yet. If I had to pick a side, I, I'd probably be going with Mississippi, getting that 14, and, and it's over the magic number of 14. I'm saying 14 in the hook. So best of luck to you, and I might be joining you at some point on this one. 
Speaking of uh, the American Athletic Conference, we already talked about the top dog in that league, Cincinnati. Uh, you're going to take us to, uh, you know, a team that's been at the top before and, and still very capable, the UCF Knights, laying a big number against the Navy midshipmen. And you're not going to hesitate here to lay the points with Central Florida. My God, no. Uh, Coach Ken, love you. You're a great guy. But I, I got a feeling this is your swan song. Uh, 0-3 start to the season. They they look absolutely abysmal. They don't seem, I mean, I don't want to say they don't have an identity, right? Because they run their option, their triple option. That's an identity. But I'm, I'm thinking more so of like the pride they normally have uh, when they're playing in these games. I just don't see it. Um, and I think that's going to carry on through, through this game. They're 0-2 uh, at home against the spread. Um, they're, they're just not a good football team. Central Florida, like, don't get me wrong. Central Florida is not going out there and, and, you know, blowing the doors off everybody, making themselves look like they have in the past where they were trying to fight for, uh, some prestige to get into national contention. Uh, but they're, they're still a decent team. The fact that the spread is so high again, to me, that kind of stood out. They beat a decent Boise team. Um, but then they just turned around and they lost to a decent uh, Louisville team last week, so you know up and down. But again, this is going to fall into one of those trends as well. The fact that they're on the road and, and this number so big between 17 and 20 and a half this season, the road favorites are two and zero. Oh. I expect it to go to three and zero. Oh. I think Central Florida is going to put away Navy. And look, Central Florida can put up points, right? Like they put up 63 against a shitty Bethune Cookman team. But you know who knows? Bethune Cookman might be comparable to Navy this year in terms of. Um, in terms of defense. So Central Florida gets up. Like, let's put it this way. If Central Florida is up by two touchdowns, the game is way over. Navy just does not have the offense to run with. Right. And, and, I, and I don't think they're going to be able to really hold them to anything. They, they, they let Marshall put up 49. Air Force put up 23. Houston uh, was only able to put up 28. But I, I just don't see them having the firepower. I think Central Florida is going to blow the door off of these guys yeah i i think you're you're on with a lot of what you're saying about navy you know kind of the swan song for kenny amatololo but can i ask you like if you think that uh excuse me if you think that central florida is going to get out early uh why not look at him first half i mean i i guess the thinking would be well the back door maybe is not going to be as open for a Navy team that's triple option. They're not quick strike. Uh, but I don't know. On one hand, maybe why sweat it? Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. I, honestly, I just haven't been playing many first-half lines this season. Okay. Um, you know, you saying it now, I might take a look at it. Um, yeah, I, it, first quarter, first half, full game. It wouldn't shock me if they if they pull the track back to off. They tripled up, yeah. Years. Yeah, I mean, again, and I, and I think when it comes to these academy offenses that – are the option. They try and wear you down on the ground. Like you worry less about laying a big number because they get out and they're not going to quick strike you in the second half. And so uh, I definitely kind of get your points. And, you know, uh, it was just, I got to look, I'm kind of want to look this up now. Malzahn first year at UCF or second? I believe it's his first year. First year. Okay. Yeah. So curious to see how he'll do there. Yeah. I think, uh, it up right now and it is his first year last year that's right he was let go by auburn 
at the end of last year. So uh, see how uh, Malzahn and the crew can do for you in uh, Annapolis. That game is being played. I'm going to go back to the SEC, uh, and uh, it's actually going to be our last pick in the SEC. I kind of hinted at it. I like Arkansas getting the 18 against Georgia. Uh, I will say I think I like this a little less than I do the Ole Miss pick. But Arkansas is a top 10 team as well. And I got this at 18. It looks like it's ticked down a little bit. 17 and a halves, I believe, out there. Talked about KJ Jefferson. Another quarterback that could have a Heisman moment here. Just beat Texas A&M. They doubled him up at Jerry World, 20 to 10. So they had an impressive statement, non-conference win against Texas earlier in the year. Uh, Arkansas defense has played well, and I think that makes the points pretty valuable. Uh, I could see, you know, obviously this is maybe the best defense in the country in Georgia, uh, but an electric dual threat talent like KJ Jefferson, I think gets some points. And like at the end of the day, he's probably just the better quarterback in this game. JT Daniels is a quarterback for Georgia, the USC transfer. And he had a nice game against South Carolina when they blew him out. But you go back to the game that Clemson won or that they played Clemson in beginning of the season when Clemson was number three in the country. JT Daniels, 22 for 30, 135 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. You know, and if you lined up Arkansas's defense, like I said, they've been playing well, put them against Clemson's defense. Like, in other words, I like the fact that I'm getting – this is kind of going to sound square. I like the fact that I'm getting the better quarterback. Getting all those points. And I, I, as I said, I think the narrative in the conference is maybe being a little overblown. I know that everybody would love to see Alabama and Georgia in the SEC title game. But I don't think it's that cut and dry this year in the conference. I feel pretty confident that I'm going to get both of these covers. And wouldn't be surprised if one of Ole Miss or Georgia, or excuse me, Ole Miss or Arkansas was, as I said, right there and maybe did win the game outright. I I don't think it's impossible to drum up that scenario. So also, I just saw the kick from Miami. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like Arkansas plus the eighteen. Let me ask you a question then. You you expect do you expect Arkansas to hang with them because of Arkansas's offense? I, I kind of the same thing with Corral, where like I'm looking at Jefferson, thinking, well, he could really make a lot of plays and be a big. I mean, yeah, their offense isn't great, but I think he could make some plays and put up, you know, 20 points. You know, I think that'd be enough to cover this number. You know, some, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, I, only only reason I'm asking is because I was just taking a look at the team totals and I'm seeing 14 and a half for Arkansas. So I was just thinking maybe that's an opportunity Yeah. Um, for some folks too that, you know, if you're not just comfortable taking the, taking the points against the spread there, if you just think Arkansas is going to be able to get a little more than two touchdowns, I mean, to jump on the team total in that in that. I mean, point. it's there. I'm looking right now. Oh, it's they're four and zero for the first time since 2003. First top ten ranking for them since 2011. So, I mean, this is a huge game for their program. I feel like, and uh, I maybe they'll choke, but you know, I, I think that uh, a lot of these teams think about it. Like, if you're a senior at Ole Miss. 
is if you're a senior at Arkansas, like you've just been getting pounded by Bama and Georgia, like in these games, like here's your chance to kind of write one of those wrongs. I, I like both the dogs there. So um, you're going to go to the big 12 now where uh, we have a battle of a couple of Texas teams. It's the Longhorns and Steve Sarkeesian traveling to uh, what's TCU is at Fort Worth, I think is where TCU is located. But uh, nonetheless, it's uh, the Texas Christian. Yes, it is Fort Worth. The Horned Frogs, one of the best names in college athletics. Uh, They're a short dog. I imagine you got to be on the money line, too. This lines up for your, your, your wheelhouse, right? Absolutely, 100%. Spread five and a half. The only thing I haven't looked at that I'd like to double check. Do you have money lines in front of you by any chance? Hang on a second. Uh, yeah, uh, plus 180, five-point dog. And what's what's the other side? Minus, Minus 210 for Texas. Ooh, 210's a little high. It makes me a little nervous on the money line. Don't get me wrong. I'm probably still going to take the money line. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this, is the, this is the third game of – of the look-ahead spots for me. Texas has Oklahoma, number six in the country, up next. Um, and being on the road here with TCU, again, falls into the trend of zero or half to uh, to six-and-a-half spread being a, a way favorite. It, it just leans me towards the, the home dog here, TCU, in-state rivalry game. Uh, I got a feeling that Texas is going to be looking ahead to Oklahoma. TCU should be getting more than a touchdown. The fact that it's gone down from five-and-a-half to five, um, tells me that the game's going to be much tighter than people expect. I expect the public to be on Texas. We'll be on TCU. Uh, like I said, I'll probably end up taking the money line, but no doubt I'll be taking the points in this one. Yeah, I think uh, this is an interesting look-ahead angle, too, because, you know, it's Sark's first rodeo with Texas. So, you know, maybe even he's looking ahead a little bit to that first Red River game. Uh, you know, as as the coach, they just if you want to also argue a little sandwich, they just hung 70 on Texas Tech. So maybe they're a little fat and happy, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, I'm with you on this. This is one of my favorite picks that you've given out so far. So uh, you're kind of talking me into the TCU side. Uh, <laughs> but let's uh, keep things moving. Two more games um, and uh, we're going to keep it in rotation order where we have what I think is a very interesting line in Madison, where the Wisconsin Badgers welcome in the Michigan Wolverines, Michigan number 199, Wisconsin number 200 in the college football rotation this weekend, 12 noon kickoff on Saturday. And it's the Wisconsin Badgers laying the point and the hook. I bet this at minus one thinking it was fishy. I bet it minus two thinking it was fishy. It looks like maybe there's some Michigan money coming in. But Wisconsin, for me, is going to be my best bet here. What the hell is going on here? We just talked about it with the Notre Dame-Cincinnati game. Wisconsin could not get out of its own way in the fourth quarter at Soldier Field last week. And loses 41-13. And now they're a short favorite against a Michigan team that's undefeated. Michigan, there's some things situationally here. First road game for Michigan. I know Harbaugh's been there a while, but it's the first time for some of these kids getting outside of 
the comfort of the big house. And Wisconsin, oh, by the way, has also, you know what, you could say, yeah, Notre Dame still a non-conference game. Well, Wisconsin lost its conference opener against Penn State. So, Bill, I say this a lot in our college basketball pods we do. But how about a circle of wagons for the Wisconsin Badgers? <laughs> They're one and two. Their only wins against Eastern Michigan. Maybe, you know, now it's time to beat the real Michigan. And, you know, you lose this game. You go to one and three. You've have you've lost to Penn State. You've lost to Michigan. You're done in all likelihood. Granted, Penn State and Michigan are Big Ten East teams and Wisconsin in the Big Ten West. But the hill is much steeper to climb if you have two conference losses before you start playing your side of the Big Ten. So that right there makes me think Wisconsin gets up for this as if it's, you know, the Big Ten title game. And the other thing I like about betting Wisconsin here, nine turnovers for Wisconsin this year, Michigan has zero. And you might say, well, why do you like that as a reason to bet to bet Wisconsin? I at least think that turnovers are a lot of random occurrences. You know, it's like flipping a coin and having it land tails nine times in a row. You know, I know that it's still an independent event, and it's still just as likely to land tails again as it is before. But if you see nine straight tails, you're probably going to be thinking heads the 10th flip. And so I kind of look at turnovers in handicapping football the same way to an extent, where it's, uh, miscommunication with a quarterback and a receiver, a tip ball by a defensive lineman, you know, a, maybe, maybe a bad throw here or a bad throw there. I'm not going to completely chalk it all up to randomness. But Wisconsin's one of those teams that you don't normally see shooting itself in the foot. They're not always the flashiest team. They're not on SportsCenter every week. But they're usually not, you know, also not on SportsCenter because they're in the not top 10 either, you know. And so – I, I think that if there's ever a time for Wisconsin to button it up, play a clean game, 60 minutes at home against Michigan, it's right here. Like I said, circle the wagons. Best bet, Wisconsin. You're on the Wolverines. I don't even know why you like Michigan, but I'm just going to let you go ahead and rip it. I don't know why I like them either, Greg. I mean, just honestly i think the only reason that i like them is because i hate them so much right here in this spot i forgot that you liked michigan before we did this and so when you stopped me because i went we were running through the rotation and i was like oh well bill definitely likes wisconsin too right like how can you not <laughs> exactly it doesn't make any sense i i again like i said to you before i'm not going to be on this uh too much it'll probably be the most the one you know play for me um but i and I hate Harbaugh, and I was on this podcast last year saying that I denounced my Michigan fandom once <laughs> they gave him that stupid extension. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, and we talked about this. Are you Is this the year, this? a little Jim Harbaugh post-type sleeper? What's that? I said, is this the year, you know, undefeated Jim Harbaugh post-type sleeper, dare we I say? Hate, I don't know. It, it, I guess the possibility. But you were talking about it earlier with Saban. How, how well he did at adapting. I think that Harbaugh has done such a bad job of adapting where like he, he was trying to force down uh, the throat of Michigan fans. Like we're going to run this 
this read option and all this other stuff and try and be this high powered offensive team, which Michigan has never been. And really not many big 10 teams ever are. And this year, it seems like he finally went back to it of, Hey, we're going to play smash mouth football. We're going to punch you in the mouth uh, on the offense, run, run, run. And defensively, we're going to wear you down. And it's, it's proved dividends this year. Look, they got the kid K McNamara. Um, he's nothing flashy. He, he's averaging like a buck 25 a game through the air. He's completing like 60%. He's only got three touchdowns on the season, but you, you keyed on it. There's no turnovers. That's going to be the story of this game. Whoever is able to win the battle of turnovers in this game, it, it, like normally turnovers are a big deal in a game like this, where both of these offenses are boring as hell and which one are oh, yeah. ball. it's ten if times you turn more the like... ball over that like to me in this game if you turn the ball over that's six points automatic you know and it's not so much of the fact that the other team is well you talked about it bill six. that total would kind of tipping you off on what's right. to do 43 a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah <laughs> if you take the name michigan out of this equation to me i'm 100 percent back in wisconsin i just I, I i can't get away from the fact that I hate this game so much for Michigan that it makes me want to like I sound I feel like I'm sound like Dave Portnoy on his uh, barstool advisors the man in the suit thing like I I hate it yeah. so much I have to take it or he loves it so much he has to go the opposite way that's kind of where I am with this Michigan game like I hate it like I don't think that they have a chance in hell of winning or covering this game but I have to take them <laughs> wow what a convincing <laughs> handicap. Yeah, so everybody's listening to this. If you're going to back Michigan, because I'm telling you, uh, you know where I stand on it. So it's your own fault if we lose. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, that's one way to try and get the trolls off your back for once, because they only <laughs> seem to come out when you give out losers. But nonetheless, let's wrap things up with another Pac-12 game where uh, we have Arizona State traveling to the Rose Bowl to take on UCLA, Arizona State, a short three-point dog, total 55-and-a-half. I'm actually more interested in the total here. I'm going under 55-and-a-half. What's better than some Pac-12 after dark and some punts? And that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Um, so, wait, are you telling me you're just going to go to sleep and wake up and hope to God you see a small number? I, we'll see how my – I don't really have much planned for Saturday, so I don't know how my day is going to – unfold maybe i'll be drinking and stay up or maybe i'll fall asleep at halftime or we'll figure it out but i'm just saying that uh it's not going to be one of those pac 12 after dark bets that's only made because i did bad earlier on in the day i'll just say that um if this this was the total in all of arizona state's games so far 54 and a half the under would be three and one and the only game that would have gone over was a 41 14 opener against southern utah so that's 55 points. So the only total here is 54 and a half. Arizona State and UCLA are second and third in yards per play in the Pac-12, 20th and 21st respectively in the nation. So why do I like the under? Well, the Sun Devils through four games have averaged just 25 pass attempts per game compared to 36 rushing attempts per game. So... Uh, even in their one loss, because you'd say, well, yeah, they've won three out of four. Even in their one loss against BYU, it was 33 runs to 29 passes, the run-pass ratio for Arizona State. So I think that's what I'm getting at, because UCLA is the same way. Actually, it's more drastic. 
with UCLA, and they have an identical three and one straight up record. UCLA, 23 passes per game, and they're averaging 38 rushing attempts per game. And much like Arizona State, UCLA ran it more in their one loss than it threw it. That one loss came to Fresno State, ended up being 29 rushing attempts for the team against Fresno to 24 passing attempts. So you have two teams that really like to run the ball, and you have two quarterbacks in uh, Jaden Daniels. I almost said JT Daniels. Jaden Daniels at Arizona State and Dorian Thompson Robinson at uh, UCLA, excuse me, that are dual threats themselves. So I think that there's just a lot of running in this game, which will mean that there's fewer possessions in the game, which will mean that the under will cash. Under 54.5, Arizona State, UCLA for my last pick. Bill, I got to ask you real quick, how about you, Pac-12 after dark? This is Arizona State, short dog. Uh, Now, granted, they're on the road, so maybe not your same system, but seeing plus 138 on the money line? It's a possibility. We'll see how the the afternoon goes before we get to that point. Um, But, yeah, before we go to it, and – I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit here. We're about to head into the postseason for baseball. Our fighting fills have been officially eliminated as Ten of years. tonight. Who? Who's your pick? Who, who do you like? To win it all? To win it all. Give, give, me, give me your World Series and then your World Series winner. I mean, I guess you, I don't think I'm going to pick the Dodgers just because I'm so – I'd be so scared if I was the Dodgers of playing the Cardinals right now in that wild card game. Yep. Um, so I'll go with Milwaukee out of the National League, Ooh. and I'll go with Tampa out of the American League, and I'll say Tampa wins. Oh, okay, okay. How about you? I'm riding the hot hand, man. This feels like such a cardinal season. It could, right? like, you know, and you know, it's funny. The last time the Phils made it was 2011, and if you remember, in the last three games of the regular season, they helped the Cardinals get in who were red hot. Then they had to play him. Oh, I know. I was there and watched our boy, Ryan Howard's Achilles. Oh sport. yeah. Halliday yeah, was... pitched his nuts off and they just didn't yep. get a run for him. Exactly. Exactly. But, it, but honestly, but it does have that feeling. No, you're right. right. It has that feeling. And like, you're going to be hearing Joe Puck going off about Cardinals and, uh, uh, best fans in America. Shut up, Joe Buck. I can't stand right. that stuff. But like, I, I just I can foresee that, and the way they've been playing has just been been lights out. Their pitching staffs coming around. Yeah, I'm, I I I jumped on the Cardinals about a week ago. I got twenty five to one, um, and then I couldn't help myself. I had to go dangle a little bit in where uh, they're at now in a matchup of Cardinals Yankees because uh, again the Yankees seem to be pretty hot as of late too. So. I forget the price I got on that exact World Series matchup, but uh, I want to say it was like maybe 70 to one or something like that. But I, I couldn't pass up the value on it, so I jumped on it. But it should be an exciting postseason. I tell you, you know, Bill, I, I don't really talk a lot of baseball with you, but I, there's nothing like playoff baseball. I agree. I, the only thing that falls behind to me is is NHL. The the, the way that the the, the intensity jumps. totally changes. 
exactly exactly you just have so many other people that are invested in it that start watching it and it's just so much more exciting than the regular seasons are yeah nhl is the only one in my opinion that tops it as far as how much that jumps from regular i'd agree with that well said well there he is bill christie at larry's locks two on gambling twitter i'm greg frank at undercover greg Bill, it was good to chat with you again. Hopefully we can do a few more of these during the college football season. And then, of course, uh, can't wait for the college basketball season. As uh, as you said, to start the pot, it feels weird to say. Yeah. We got five, six weeks before it all starts. Absolutely. The weather's turning. It feels nice and cool out every morning. It's phenomenal. And yeah, you know, we're going we're gonna to be looking forward to some basketball real, real soon. Follow Alex, our podcast producer, Jack of All Trades, managing the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Bill, thanks a lot. We'll be talking. All right. Take care. All righty. There he is, Bill Christie. I'm Greg Frank. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Hour Gambling Podcast. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Well, the rest of your weekend is just getting started (laughs) with us here on a Friday. And, of course, please play responsibly.